So welcome back again to the second part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, still joined on the other Skype line by Shane Ambrose, and Anne is still joining me here in studio. Now, uh, uh, it's been some quite some time uh, that we uh, Shane has joined us to share with us some really a roundup of Catholic news around the world. It's very good to touch base with what's happening within the Catholic world, within Catholic cultures at various parts of the world and issues that we would term as being important, not so important to them, but very important for them and not so important for us. Anyway, Shane's going to just share with us a few things that he's picked out that's happening around the Catholic world. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, John. Um, so, yeah, it's been a while since we did a kind of a roundup of things. So I suppose just a couple of things that are going on at the moment or that will be going on over the next couple of months, just for people kind of to keep an eye on and just to see see what happens and the way it turns out. Um, I suppose starting with things papal, of course, at the moment, um, obviously Pope Francis has had a couple of busy trips. He was in Madagascar and Mauritius and uh, visited South, that part of South Africa. He's also had a trip to Albania. Um, so and the lot of not a lot of coverage, I have to say, in the Irish media on any of those trips. It was definitely better covered um, by some of the more international press. Um, and uh, as well as usual, we could almost say it's hard to believe, John. It's, it's almost twelve months since the Pope was in Ireland, and there was hardly a mention of it uh, or a discussion about it on public radio in Ireland over the summer. So then, in terms of that, of course, one of the big things coming up in Rome in the next couple of weeks, actually starting Sunday week, is actually the Synod of Bishops. Now, this is where bishops uh, gather to discuss an item or issue and then present proposals or whatever to the Pope. Now, usually the Synod of Bishops gathers on global level, as in it's bishops from all over the world. But this year, there is a Synod on the Amazon of bishops for the Pan-Amazon region. So this happens from time to time. Uh, Pope John Paul II did it uh, in the build-up to the Jubilee year in 2000, where he convoked synods for the main areas of the world, like Europe and Oceania and the Americas and so forth. So Pope Francis has convened one for the Pan-Amazon region, and it's meeting from the 6th to the 27th of October. And um, it's an interesting one. The preparatory work started in 2017. Now, the Amazon region, so it basically covers parts of Bolivia, Brazil, Colombia, Ecuador, French Guiana, Guana, Peru, Venezuela, and Suriname. And it's just looking at the challenges facing the church and the communities in that particular region. Now, it'll be interesting to see what happens with this um, synod. Um, it's, it's, it's a peculiar one. The, the, the names of those attending and participating uh, were published by the, Vati by the, the Vatican during the week. And... Um, there's quite a lot of Europeans, quite a lot of Germans, which I found a bit strange. Um, but the, the the preparatory document itself identified the themes of the Synod as the role of women in the church, the rights and traditions of indigenous people, and the need to provide greater access to the Eucharist. And I suppose what's going to make the headlines, particularly in the secular media about this, is the whole discussion about the ordination of married men. Um, the challenge, I suppose, with the Synod, with, this, with the Amazon, I suppose, it's a huge area which covers, um, you know, it's I think it's 6 million square kilometers. It's got something like 400 plus different languages. And there's a huge challenge, of course, trying to celebrate the sacraments and build up Christian community in, in, in that part of the world. And there's, you know, where you could have communities that only see priests twice a year. So the question is, well, then why would you not consider 
ordaining people who are indigenous to the area may be married elders within communities. So this is one of the things that's been discussed and is going to be looked at. Um, the challenge, of course, or the question that would come out of it is if Pope Francis, for example, agrees to that, is where does one stop? Where does one draw the line? Because the German bishops have already said that if it's granted for the Amazon, they will seek for something similar to be applied in Germany, which kind of, you know, you kind of the mind boggles what's so difficult about Germany as opposed to the Amazon. But anyway, um, you know, so that's the Senate. So we'll keep an eye on that one and we'll see what happens. Speaking of things synodal um, and speaking of our friends in the German church, that's another one to keep an eye on over the next couple of months. Um, the German church is entering into what is called a binding synodal process. Now, John, you'll say to me, well, what does that mean? I don't know. And right at this minute in time, neither does the Vatican, neither does Pope Francis. The only ones that seem to know are the Germans. Um, so they, they're entering into this process. They're going to be talking about four different particular areas. Oddly enough, the issue of married married, uh, married clergy, the issue of celibacy and, and women priests, oddly enough, is coming up in that synod as well. And the funny thing about it is the they're not quite sure. Rome is not quite sure what to make of it. Pope Francis wrote to the Germans German church in the summer and basically asked them, could you please refocus the areas that you're going to talk about? And they pretty much ignored him. And then uh, they, they submitted the rules for the governing of this process. The Vatican went back and said, well, actually, you need to change them. And so far, the German church has ignored them. Uh, so we're going to wait and see what actually comes out of this. It's, it's an interesting one. It's going to take two years. And it's it's what's what's kind of getting Rome a little worried about the fact is that there's a majority of lay people involved and they're being given the authority to bind the church in German Germany by their votes, which is obviously not how the Catholic Church operates. So there is a concern about that. So it'll be interesting to see once again, as they say, watch this space and see what happens. Um, one of the interesting things over the summer that might have caught people's eye was the gift that Pope Francis made to Patriarch Bartholomew. Now, people might remember, it was back in June, I think it was, or yes, June 29th, for the Feast of St. Peter and St. Paul. So what has happened over the last number of years is on the patronal feast days, um, there would be delegations that would go to visit between Rome and Constantinople. So you'd have... On the 29th of June, uh, people from the Ecumenical Patriarch Bartholomew, some of his representatives would come to Rome to attend the, 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 the Papal Mass to celebrate the Feast of St. Peter and Paul. Then on the 30th of November, a bunch from, the, from Rome would go to Istanbul to attend the Divine Liturgy in the Fanner with Patriarch Bartholomew to celebrate the Feast of St. Andrew because he's the patron saint of the Ecumenical Patriarch. So this year, the, um, the the delegation from the Ecumenical Patriarch was in attendance in Rome. And after the Mass, they were requested by Pope Francis to go with him to the Apostolic, the, the chapel of the Apostolic Palace in Rome. And in the chapel, he turned around and he turned around and presented them with a beautiful bronze box containing nine relics of St. Peter. And the instruction was, please give that to the Ecumenical Patriarch. There was no planning. There was no announcement. Pope said afterwards it came to him the day before. And as you can imagine, in some circles, it caused a degree of consternation. Now, I have to say, just 
so that people are aware. There was a lot of online talk, and I thought it was rather ridiculous. People turning around and saying, the Pope has given St. Peter to Constantinople. That was not what happened. In, in the 1940s, and 19, um, Pius XII ordered excavations under St. Peter's Basilica, and they found what is believed to be the tomb or the reliquary of St. Peter underneath the basilica itself because tradition has always been St. Peter's Basilica is built on the place where St. Peter is buried after he was martyred under Nero and at the time there were the, uh, Paul VI re requested that certain fragments would be removed uh, relics would be removed and they were brought to the, the, the papal chapel in the apostolic palace so that St. Peter the relics of St. Peter would be there to support the successor of St. Peter so for people to turn around and say, oh, he's given away St. Peter, that's not true. St. Peter is very much still under the Vatican Basilica. He hasn't gone anywhere. But these, he, gave, he, gave nine, uh, he gave nine small fragments. They're tiny. If you see the pictures, they're no bigger than your baby finger um, to the ecumenical patriarch. And I think to say that he probably stunned everyone, probably including the patriarch, um, because it, it was, was an unexpected gift. Um, Pope uh, Ecumenical Patriarch uh, Bartholomew described uh, his gift as a new milestone and a crucial step in the journey towards Christian unity. And I suppose it's you know there there it's 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 it's, it's, it's continuation of that whole process of trying to rebuild the unity of the churches, um, which started in 1964 with Pope Paul VI uh, lifting the excommunication of the the Orthodox Church. Um, so then, as well as that, John, other things that caught my eye over the summer. Pope Francis to doctors, assisted suicide is false compassion, which I thought was an interesting um, uh, thing. He said, euthanasia or assisted suicide are hasty pats and not an expression of a person's freedom. And he was saying that to Italian doctors, actually only about two weeks ago, he met them and he said to the Italian doctors that they must resist the temptation to participate in assisted suicide or euthanasia, which trades the dignity of the patient for a false compassion. And I thought it was an interesting comment to make, particularly given that this is a discussion that's going to be starting in Ireland in the next couple of months. And it was just, um, he, he, it, was, it was an interesting comment for, for the pontiff to make. Um, then I suppose other things that would catch the eye over the summer um, is, of course, our own Bishop Brendan Leahy had a recent article, um, our recent comment, celebrating Mass uh, in Our Lady Help of Christians Church in Milford, where he was celebrating the centenary of the Salesians arriving in Ireland. Um, he, Bishop Brendan said that we should strive to live by the example of the Salesians, people of joy who welcome others. And he made the point that we all have to work together to respect everyone, and that means a complete avoidance of the use of offence language and building relationships so that racism, intolerance and sectarianism should have no place in Ireland today. And I thought it was a very timely, um, a timely comment. Then on the 8th of September, um, the Feast of the Nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Bishop Kevin Dorn of Elfin uh, was preaching at the Basilica in Knock, and he made the point that um, grandparents, or being a grandparent, is primarily a relationship not just a function, you know. And he was making, I suppose, in the context of, in his homily, he was saying that there's a tendency in society to value people according to their usefulness rather than for who they are as unique human, human beings. Um, and I suppose it's just for us to remind ourselves that 
that being a grandparent is primarily a relationship, not just a function, and it shouldn't become a burden. And you know, it's 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 an important thing, I suppose, that just to to remind uh, grandparents, I suppose, that you know, he said to them, "I want to encourage you to share the stories of your own faith, um, not just your faith now, but your faith when you were their age, talking to talking to, the, to their, their their grandchildren, and." Um, Help them to see how you are still nourished by the Eucharist, and I think it's it's an interesting one, and it's an important point as well um, to make. Speaking, of course, of Knock, they had a very busy festival or uh, festival, as I Novena this year, and um, they're of course celebrating 140th anniversary of the apparition at Knock. Um, so it happened uh, in 1879. So uh, that was a, a milestone, and of course they had a lot of important guests. And as we've been doing over the last couple of weeks, um, we have been sharing the speakers uh, from the from the novena uh, to, to on the on here on, on sacred on sacred space 102. So we'll have a couple more of those to share over the next couple of weeks. Right, John. Before we go any further with these things, I think we might just take a small music break. Before we do that, Sharon, because I know I'm going to forget this. Yeah, uh, I, I picked up something in the Irish Catholic myself, and mm-hmm. maybe people mightn't be aware of this. It's uh, the priest. Uh, it, it's entitled. It was last week's actually Irish Catholic priest unable to comply with the new confession law. The leader of Tasmania's Catholic Church has said priests in his archdiocese will not comply with the law that would require them to break the seal of confession to report suspected child abuse. The law passed last week make religious ministers mandatory reporters of child, child sexual abuse and requires the Tasmanians with knowledge of abuse to report the crime to police. The Archbishop said the priests were unable to violate the seal of confession under any circumstances according to Australian news. I believe the Tasmanian bill will not strengthen protections for children and vulnerable people but it will have the opposite effect as offenders will be less likely to come forward to confess their serious sins for fear of being reported. Shane, I was just wondering what your thoughts are on that in terms of that moving elsewhere in the world. I know it's in Tasmania at the moment in Australia, yeah. and I think it's also uh, coming it's, to it's, Victoria. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big issue at the moment, obviously, in Australia, um, because the Australian church, thereafter, their, their equivalent of a tribunal of inquiry was a royal commission, and which published very damning reports on the whole issue of child sex abuse and how it was handled or not handled and everything that went on with it. And there's a very strong kickback against the church uh, at the moment um, in Australia. Um, now, rightly or wrongly, there, you know, there's, there's both sides to that. Um, the, these things go tend to go in extremes. The issue of the defence of the seal of confessional, um, it's, an, it's, it's an odd one. Uh, we have something similar here in Ireland. People might not be aware of it. Um, but the reality, I suppose, is that I think whatever way priests would look at different things within the church, I think there's a, a general unanimity the priests themselves will not violate the, 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 seal of the, of the, of the, the seal of the confessional. Now, it's come up in quite a number of countries. Australia's one. It's also come up in the States a couple of times. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. It's also, if you like, to a certain extent, a very impractical law. Some people would say that it's a bit grandstanding um, by the politicians, because I suppose the reality is, if you are in a situation as a priest and you're hearing confession and a person confesses to you um, 
you know, it's 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 difficult to see what exactly that can be done with it. Um, but it's 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 it'll be interesting to see what happens. A number of the bishops have come out very strongly in relation to this. Um, a couple of the Australian bishops, and and one bishop was he was asked on on public television in the, in Australia, and he he was asked would he would he would he do it, and his his reply was blunt, no. Mm. He said, in when it comes to this particular issue, I will go to jail if necessary, and there wasn't a whole lot that the commentator could say to him. He was fairly you know he was fairly on the ball in relation to it, so we'll have to wait and see what happens. Um, myself, I don't think it's it's. When you pass legislation, you pass law, there's a couple of things with it. And one of the things is it must be practical and enforceable. And I, I struggle to see how something like this is not just grandstanding by politicians trying to make a point. But then again, I could be wrong. And so let's 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 see how it works out. Okay, so at this stage now, we might just go for that little bit of music. One that we're going to play at the rest of the programme with anyway. And this one is Sweet Low, Sweet Chariot by Valimar Janssen. So welcome back again now, uh, just giving Shane just a little bit of a chance to get his press back and tell us maybe just one or two uh, more items that he wants to share with us in this last two or three minutes of the programme. Thanks, Shane. Yeah, one of the things that caught my eye um, during the week, John, and which didn't really get much coverage, um, as people are aware, the UN General Assembly is going on at the moment or was going on this week. And there was a lot of coverage, obviously, for the whole climate discussion and the intervention of, um, what's her surname, Greta, the, that girl from Sweden, I can't remember her surname. Um, but one of the things that was interesting was, people might may not have been aware, but um, President Trump didn't attend the climate discussions that were going on at the UN General Assembly. Now, uh, people are probably aware, from a political perspective, um, uh, President Trump has issues with climate change and he doesn't believe the science behind us and all the rest of it. Um, we're not here to discuss that one this morning. But what Bishop or what President Trump was doing actually at the UN was he was attending um, as a, a, a talk or a, a discussion around religious persecution. And he was making the point that 11 Christians are killed every day for following the teachings of Christ. And it's an interesting one because um, he's pledged additional money from the U.S. to protect religious freedom and religious sites and relics. And I thought it was an unusual one, of course. Now, it, it feeds into his um, political base in the evangelical church. But I thought it was an interesting one um, that didn't receive any coverage, as far as I could see, on this side of the world. 
Um, so it, it's just I thought it was interesting because it also echoes something that's happening in the UK. Despite everything that's going on with Brexit, um, the UK is also strengthening their uh, support for persecuted minorities on religious grounds around the world as well. And um, they have appointed a special uh, rep uh, ambassador, if you like, to investigate and work on this particular issue itself, which is a stark contrast to our own government, who have been absolutely silent on the issue. Um, so it's it's something, I suppose, that we maybe we should bring up with our local representatives. So, John, there's just a couple of odds and ends that caught my eye and from the news world over the last while. And uh, just to just for people are, are aware of things that are going on. Thank you very much indeed, Shane. And I'll, I'll just share just one last thing here. And again, I just picked up from the Irish Catholic Shane, just to mention, to add to what you said early on about the Pope's visits. I believe the Pope Francis is also set to visit Thailand and Japan later on in the year. So he's some man for his aid. Anyway, at this, at this part of the programme, we'll continue on with that piece of music that we just started to play there. And um, we'll come back again for the gospel. The piece of music that we're playing, of course, is Swing Low, Swing Chariot by Valimar Janssen. So come back and join us again in part three.